listening to Rebel Radio. Do dope shit. Check this. He started in the fitness industry before YouTube was a thing. During a time when your favorite Instagram influencer probably wasn't even born yet. His training methods were born out of his relentless curiosity to help his clients take autonomy over their health and fitness and become the person they wanted to be. After 10 years of owning one of Windsor's top training facilities, he's now on his next adventure of living life to the fullest and doing dope shit. Join this dude as he raises against the status quo and embraces his uniqueness, pushing the boundary of acceptable by taking the courageous leap towards a truly meaningful life and inspiring others to do the same. Please welcome your boy, founder of Common, Michael Batella, as he pushes the standard of everyday living in pursuit of taking radical accountability over his life. Hey, what's cracking, everyone? Welcome to the first official episode of Rebel Radio. I am your host, Michael Patella. I'm the owner and founder of Common. And I'm going to be talking your ear off for the next 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Who knows how long this this podcast is going to go. But uh, I'm going to try to keep it entertaining. I'm going to be uh, reminiscing about some good stuff that that happened over my career. And I thought that this episode... Um, would be a really good idea to talk about my backstory and, and what my background is and what led me to owning Common and sort of going through this rebrand. And now a lot of you that follow me on Instagram, that's where I'm kind of usually spend most of my time is on uh, Instagram. I've gotten a lot of followers in the last two years that don't really know my backstory. So I think this would be a good opportunity to talk about um, who I am, what, what I did um, to get myself to this point. And where I see myself in the next, you know, 5, 10, 20 years, however long I live in this in this beautiful life. So um, before we get started on episode one, I do want to go through some housekeeping. You can find us on Spotify, Rebel Radio. I know there's a few Rebel Radios on Spotify. I'm going to have to figure out how to get my name up there as, as number one. But you'll have some links on my socials about where to find me. And we're going to drop a podcast every other Thursday. I would love to sit here and tell you I'm going to have a, a an episode every week, but we're, we're pretty busy here at Common and we got a lot going on. So I figured, let me be conservative. Let me just take my time. Let's go one episode every other Thursday. If you know me, if you know me quite well, I'm the guy that has a big idea and I run with it and I don't stop thinking about it till I do it. So I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to reassess and say, you know what? One episode every other Thursday seems about right for me. And then as we get into it, I might even have an episode every week depending on um, how it goes. So, um, And then the goal of this podcast is to also have um, some interesting guests on as well. So you're not just going to be hearing me and my perspectives on life. I want you to gain perspectives of, of, of some of my friends, people that I don't even know yet, people that I, that, that I hope to interview. And while this is a fitness podcast, um, it's not only going to be fitness. It's going to be some lifestyle. It's going to be some business in there. It's going to be um, how to find your meaningful pursuits. That's a huge thing. You know, it's it's something that, that is near and dear to my heart, which is why I've gone through this rebrand. And, and I, I want to bring on guests that all have their own meaningful pursuits. And I want to uncover what it is that makes them unique, what it, what it is that makes them shine, and why are they on this earth? Why are, you, why are they living the life that they're living and what got them there? So um, stay tuned for that. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to bring on I'm going to bring on some amazing guests that I think you're going to enjoy listening to, and um, and we'll have some fun along the way. So, as you heard in the intro, do dope shit. This podcast is going to inspire you. It's going to motivate you. It's going to get you thinking about how you can start living life to the fullest. We've gone through some crazy uh, couple years with the pandemic. I don't even want to mention that, but um, if 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 we, if anybody got something out of this two years of lockdowns and shutdowns and all that chaos, it really made you realize that you need to start living your life today, right now. Like, don't wait. Do the shit that you want to do, and do dope shit. So um, that that's what I hope to inspire you to do, and we're gonna have some fun along the way. So. Yeah, so welcome to the first official episode. You're making history with me, and I'm hoping that we can look down the mountain in five years from now and see, like, man, like, look where we started at the bottom. Now we're here. So before we get into the episode, you're in the new podcast studio here at Common, and if you follow along with me on 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 socials, on Instagram, you notice that I was doing this whole um, renovation here at, at the studio, and if you saw the way it was in here, it was disgusting. When I moved locations, I had a bunch of junk that I brought from the other gym and I just stored it in this makeshift office and it was a disaster. I had boxes on top of boxes, two to the three desks. It was just it was it was irritating me and I hated coming in here because it was just annoying and I hate clutter. And when I have clutter, it fucks up my mind. I can't think well. I can't be creative. It's this big stress and this big burden on my shoulders that just irritates me. So I'm like, you know, fuck it. I threw I threw everything out. Like there was boxes that I didn't even open because I'm like, I don't give a shit what's in here. I haven't used it in this in this past year. It could have been frozen pizza for all I care. I threw it out. I'm like, I don't need it. I haven't looked at it. And um, if I needed it, oh well, that's life. And and we'll move on from that. So I have this barn board up that I put up myself, which I'm pretty proud of. You know, I'm pretty handy, not really that handy, but I can, I can, you know, I can work some tools, um, put a fresh coat of paint. I graffitied the floor with some cool stuff. And, and as you saw on my Instagram, I put some really cool, uh, fun, creative aspects to the floor. Still waiting on the wallpaper um, to come in. Hopefully next week we'll put that up. So there's some few odds and ends that have to happen here, but I was too excited not to start the podcast. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it with what I have right now. And then as you grow with me, as you watch more episodes, you're going to see this place become more of its own unique um, sort of personality, right? I'm going to have some some trinket, some trinkets on the shelving. I'll put some more shelving up. I'm going to get some more um, furnishings in here to make it look a little bit more of a studio space, but I'm pretty happy the way it was. This happened real quick. I, I put my mind to it and I said, fuck it. I'm just going to start um, doing it immediately. And like I said, when I get my mind set to something, I can't stop thinking about it and I just keep doing it. So that's kind of my, my mindset. It's, it's all or none. If I eat pizza, it's all of it or none of it. If I open up a business, it's all the business or none of it, right? So that, that's kind of like my, my way of, of thinking. Is it healthy? I don't know, but it's all I know. And hopefully I can uncover myself and, and kind of talk about what makes me tick through this podcast. Um, and hopefully I can also share that with the guests that, that come in. So um, episode one, we're going to start from 
the beginning of Michael Patelic. Like, where did this young little Michael start his career, and, and how did he get to this point of, you know, 10 years as a business owner, 15 years in the industry? Like, what 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 led me along, and why am I still in this industry? Like, why am I still doing this? Um, so, yeah, let's um, let's talk. Let's go for it. So, I'm going to take you back in a time where YouTube was just getting started. Facebook was in its early infancy. There was no Instagram. There was no Twitter. There was no Snapchat. There was no TikTok, that's for sure. And like MySpace was the only thing really happening back then. And I love MySpace. If, if anyone had a MySpace, it was the best. And it, it, it was in a time where MSN Messenger was around, ICQ, right? And that was more towards high school, but ICQ kind of dwindled when I got into university. But this was going back to 2004. And I think like YouTube was like a year old. So there wasn't much content creation as you see now. Whereas now it's like it's flooded. I'm like, you're watching my podcast on on um, on YouTube and also listening on Spotify. So like like now it's it's a whole nother world. But back then, it was just YouTube and, and I didn't really use YouTube that much. And, and we'll kind of talk about how I used YouTube for my career and, and how I chose it. But so I started university in 2004 when, when like cell phones were just like, I had my Nokia. So I got my first cell phone in first year university, which is kind of absurd right now. Like you have three-year-olds with smartphones that probably know more technology than I do. But you know, back then it was like, I got my Nokia brick, it had one game on it. It was a bowling game. And I still remember playing that game in my exercise physiology class in like first year university with my buddies. We always sat in the back and we played this bowling game and we would pass this Nokia brick to like five different guys and we would play this bowling game. Um, so that, that that's how my university career went. It was just pretty much playing games in the back while I uh, listened to people talk about metabolism and all that stuff. So just to kind of paint a picture, it was a very rudimentary um, technology, right? Like there was no cameras on these phones. We had a text with the, like the ABC and we had to like, you know, go through the number one just to get to C and all that kind of stuff. So I started university in 2004 and it was human kinetics here at the University of Windsor. Shout out to University of Windsor. It was the best program I've ever done. I mean, it's the only program I've I've ever done, but no regrets. I, I loved that program so much because it gave me, um, the one thing I loved about university was that it gave me a sense of freedom. And if you know me, I love my freedom. And it, I felt like I was in control of my, my life. I was in control of what I wanted to learn. And it kind of sparked something in me that always wanted to pursue more and more and more. And looking back, you know, while school to me has a different meaning now and, and education and teaching has a different meaning, but back then it gave me a sense of purpose and freedom to like really go and, and, and learn and explore, which was tremendous in my career to, to, to right now. So, um, you know, it, it was 2004, started um, Human Kinetics, fell in love with it immediately, except for this one time. It was the first week of university we were at the Toldo Center. So for those of you that are listening that went to University of Windsor, we were at the Toldo Center. And that was, I think it was like a year old. So it was a brand new um, building, big classrooms, very modern. And there's 250 human kinetic students. I don't know any of them. Like I barely met my neighbor that I was sitting next to. But like I knew nobody. 
So it was my functional anatomy class, and Dr. Andrews yells out, where's Mike Patella? I'm like, oh, fuck. He's like, stand up, Mike, stand up. So he has me stand up in front of a room of 250 students. And like, and at that time, I was kind of shy. I wasn't really as outgoing as I am now. And we'll talk about that in a second. But he's like, uh, stand up, Mike. He's like, did you know that Mike, Mike's last name is Patella, like kneecap? And everyone starts laughing and, haha, that's so cool, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, it was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. But also really cool because it's like now people know my name. Now people know who I am. So it's kind of neat that that kind of sparked also my interest in in sort of getting myself out there, right? And, and you know, like growing up, I was a very extrovert, uh, sorry, a very introverted person. And, you know, I remember like being a kid, five years old, six years old, and I'd be like with my cousins, with my family, and I I, I would just watch and observe and listen to the point where even like my cousins who were all older than I was, my siblings were older than I was, the, the, the joke was, oh, Mike's still here? Because I was so quiet that I would just observe. And, you know, somebody might see me on my social media, might see me on my Instagram, or might even train with me here at Common. And they're like, Mike, like you're so outgoing, you're so extroverted. And I had this like duality of my life. Like in real life, I'm a very introverted person where, you know, if I'm at a table with like 10 different friends, or if I'm at a birthday party or wherever I'm at, I'm the last one to speak. In fact, like I don't even like speaking that much, which is ironic that I'm even doing a podcast. But if I'm out in public, I don't speak that that much. Whereas I'm very extroverted in my business because it's something that makes me comfortable. I'm very comfortable and secure with my knowledge. I'm confident with what my abilities are and I'm able to promote myself because that's just what it's how I make my money really. But I have no issue with um, with being extroverted and being the face of my of, of my brand because I love it so much, right? So I kind of have this like duality of life where on one hand, I'm very introverted. I love to observe. Um, I love to listen. But then I'm also very extroverted when I'm in my gym because it's where I feel the most confident. And I think we all have that in, in our life. Wouldn't you agree? Um, nod your head yes at home if you're listening to this and you agree. Um. So yeah, so so I was in university, you know, I got I got myself um embarrassed that first week, but then it's where I met some of my my best friends, right? Like, you know, I, I that first week in university, I met some really great people. Um to to this day we're like we're still close friends. So, um that that was an interesting start. But anyways, to to my point, I that first year or like the first like couple months of university. So it was like October, November. I'm like, man, like I need a part-time job. And all my part-time jobs were shitty. They're like, I worked at Guess the year before. And like, it was cool because I got like 50% discount on jeans. But like, I was that guy. I was that guy that dressed up to go to the parties. I, I was that guy that dressed up to go to the bars, right? Like, I was just that guy. And, let, and let's face it, like, I'm that guy. But but I, I've, I've, grown, I've grown from that since. Uh, my other um, jobs were like Canadian Tire. And Canadian Tire was a joke. And I hated the uniform. I was in the sporting goods department, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I remember, like my 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 pitch to everyone that came, whether they were buying a tent, whether they were buying a bike, or buying pool supplies, and they would ask me my honest opinion because they thought I was an expert. They thought a 17-year-old kid working at Canadian Tire was an expert in camping gear. 
and or bikes and pools anyways they would ask me what do you think about this one my go-to answer doesn't matter what it was was you know i have one myself it's great i think you would love it and they would buy it so i'm like hmm, that's cool um so <laughs> that was my um my summer at Canadian Tire, it didn't last that long, but um, yeah, it sucked. So anyways, so, so when I was thinking about a part-time job, I'm like, man, like, I want a really cool part-time job because I don't want to work in shitty jobs. So I applied at the campus recreation uh, department at the University of Windsor. So the HK building or the athletic department at the HK building was its own separate campus, which was amazing. It was like a little high school. And so our classrooms were up top and then in the basement was the university gym and field house and campus and all that stuff. So I applied as a, I forget what the name was, but the, the, the role of this job was just campus rec organization or whatever it was, where it was like, I was the event setup guy, you know, and there was a staff of maybe like five or six, <clears throat> excuse me, five or six other um, um, people that would drive around in golf carts and set up all the events. So like football games, soccer games, basketball games, um, everything. The volleyball games were, were, were all set up. And we would drive around drive around with our, um, our, our golf carts, put up the signs, put up the posters, put up the flags, put up uh, the benches, all that stuff, right? Everything that you saw that was all set up for that event, we did it. I was that guy. And it was fun because we just drove around. We, we, we got to watch the games. And back then, when I was in my first university, women's and men's basketball was, was unreal. Like these, these, these women and men were winning championships. So it was a fun game to watch. And then also track and field was big. Now, I'm not sure about it now. I'm going to have to look into it. But back when I was um, in university, Track and field was huge, and and like they would win championships on top of championships all 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 year, and uh, I think they were like ranked. I don't know. Don't quote me on this. They were ranked maybe about top five, maybe if not the first in Canada. Um, I'm gonna have to check my sources on that. But they were really really good, and so I got to meet some of the athletes that were coming in and out of the field house as I was setting up, and it was just got me around the athletics department. And like back in high school, I always had this interest in 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 sport and and performance i i was somewhat athletic um growing up you know like i think what led me to um being athletic and and liking sport was that i always grew up chubby and 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 man i got teased a lot in grade school and i think that bullying that teasing not wanting to be chubby led me towards a path of playing sports i was pretty decent at sports um, and then I fell in love with the human performance side of sports, hence what led me to human kinetics. So that was kind of like the backstory of the backstory was that like, you know, growing up chubby, I wanted to get rid of my chub. And so I played sports and I got some success with that. And then I went into human kinetics because I'm like, well, I like sports. I don't mind biology. So let me kind of mesh it together. And then, and then it was human kinetics. So now we're in university and, um, you know, I, I got to meet some really great athletes there that kind of sparked my interest more. So that after that year at Campus Rec as doing the event organizer, I saw a an ad for personal trainers wanted um, for the fitness center in the campus uh, rec or, or, or in the athletic department called the Forge. And and the Forge was where the Lancers trained. It's, it's, it's where it, it was the university gym. And I remember taking 
um, CanFit Pro as the certification um, that they needed was CanFit Pro. So I, I took the certification in one weekend. I barely studied. I aced it because it was in conjunction of my schooling. So like what what was happening in the certification, I was learning about it in real time in the class. It was kind of like a nice little transfer of knowledge. So I got my certification in a weekend, started a personal training at the university gym for four years. Now, this is pivotal. This is where I learned all of my, this is where I learned how not to be a trainer. It gave me the confidence. I learned my philosophies. I kind of dabbled in all kinds of ways of training and I made so many mistakes. And this was a time when when like YouTube wasn't a thing or Instagram wasn't a thing. And, and I was writing up programs on, I remember our, our fitness manager at the university gym had like, just like piles of cardstock with, you know, like name, client name, um, you know, like a set one exercise, set two exercise. And like we would fill in with a pen, you know, squats, three sets of 12 or whatever, right? So like, it was like the clipboard and cardstock type of trainer. And, you know, I got all my sources either through my schooling or I had to read like published books on certain key aspects of training, or I had to attend seminars. Like we had to pay out of pocket to, to, to attend seminars where we would learn about certain training topics from people that we respected in the field. There was no, you know, Google how to front squat or like how to create a pro like there was none of that, you know, and even YouTube at the time was just getting started and it was a very rudimentary YouTube, but I do remember distinctly and this is what really sparked my interest um, later in, in, in my career to open up a gym was so like if you look, if you look at YouTube right now and you type in fitness, you're going to get millions, probably billions probably um, of just content about any type of fitness. Well, back then, when you typed in fitness, and I'm not even sure how I came across this, but it's, it was because there weren't that many people doing it. And and I remember watching a video of Joe DeFranco training his athletes out in New Jersey. And it was this like ratty old YouTube video. Like there was no high definition cameras. There was no lighting. It was almost like your, you know, like your dad's camcorder type of quality. And it was him training athletes in his warehouse gym. That video, and I can still see it in my mind, that video is what got me to um, want to open up my own gym. And shout out to Joe DeFranco, the original gangster of fitness, of warehouse gyms. He was the guy that sparked all of my interest in, in personal training, in strength coaching, in fitness, in opening up my own warehouse. He was the catalyst to making um, a big impact in my life, right? And for those of you that don't know who Joe DeFranco is, if you Google his name, um, he's a world-renowned strength coach out of New Jersey. He trained he trained a bunch of NFL guys, smart dude, leader in the industry. Um, and and I remember sitting, you know, in in my in my in my in my basement on the computer because back then there was no laptops. I didn't have a laptop. It was it was the it was the family computer. All right, sorry about that, guys. I thought I had, I thought I heard something at the front door, but I didn't. Anyways, we're back, and this is what happens when you do a live um, podcast. Sometimes you hear things and you have to tend to it. But I, I was just hearing things through these microphones. So just a side note, I can hear my voice through these headphones because um, it allows me to control the volume. Anyways, 
So as I was saying, I remember being in my basement with a family computer, like just watching hours of footage of Joe DeFranco training his athletes. And back then, nobody was putting out anything on the internet or on social media. Well, there was really no word as social media back then. It was just YouTube. Nobody was putting out any content when it came to training actual real-world clients or athletes. And so like Joe Joe DeFranco was the first guy to do that. And to be transparent with his his training, you know, and that's what kind of led me to to want to learn more about him. So like I would watch all of his YouTube videos, I would read all of his content, to the point where I'm like, man, this would be so cool one day to open up a gym. And this was back in university when when I was still sort of fresh. I was still in school. I had no ambition to to go out on my own, anyways. Uh, and I was still learning. But anyways, so so this is where. In those four years at the university gym where I really found what it is that I loved about training and fitness and it led me to to learn more about it. And, and let me tell you, like this, <laughs> the amount of mistakes I made training clients, like I still cringe to this day when I think about what I did with certain clients back then. Um, but they stuck around with me. I still have some, so I have some clients that are still with me from that gym. So that's going almost 50 it'll probably be 12, 13 years now that this client's with me, but you know, he put up with my bullshit then and he's still putting up with my bullshit right now. But you know, shout out to the OG clients that have been with me since day one, because man, like I, I did some crazy programs that I probably shouldn't have, but through that is where you learn from your mistakes and to any new coach that's out there right now, especially with the sea of social media influencers and fitness being this very entertainment based get your feet wet immediately as much as you can at a health club. Like get yourself to a health club, work with as many people as you can because you're going to learn a lot about yourself. You're going to learn a lot about different people, personalities, um, and what makes people tick and not tick and all that stuff. So, So get your feet wet when it comes time to actually learning about fitness, right? And especially with fitness now becoming this online sort of platform, it's very easy for trainers, new trainers and coaches to hide behind the camera, hide behind the social media platforms, put some nice graphics up, but don't know how to really train clients. You know, if you think that getting online is going to be a easier task, you, it's it's actually the opposite. It's harder to train clients online. And if you don't have that backstory or, or if you don't have that history of training clients in person in real time, you can't learn the nuance of coaching. So that, that, that's kind of a side note. Um, so in those four years, I really got my feet wet. I learned everything that I wanted to learn about fitness and, and then some. And then when it was time to graduate in 2008, I'm like, man, like, do I stay here and do maybe a master's in human exercise physiology? And, and back then, like I loved exercise physiology. I loved metabolism. I loved learning about the intricacies of the biochemical makeup of all the metabol- uh, metabolic pathways and you know, like what made energy systems work and all that stuff. I loved it. But I'm like, do I spend two years in a master's program and then come out two years later without a job and not really knowing where I'm going to go? Or do I stick with this career of personal training, which wasn't really like, like it wasn't a big money maker, but it was also, it gave me, um, a, it gave me a job that wasn't boring, right? Like I wasn't just folding clothes at gas when I worked there. It wasn't me telling people to buy some camping gear at Canadian Tire. It was me actually helping and inspiring people to live their life in a healthy, positive way. 
and there's so many ways that I can go about this right now because, you know, right now in, in, in this like technology age and this social media stuff, we always talk about brands and your brand doesn't start by having a logo and colors. Your brand starts from the beginning of whatever you do in your career, right? So like for me, my brand started when I was training my very first client without even realizing that I was developing, I was fine tuning my message, I was fine tuning my philosophies, I was fine tuning, you know, how to speak to people. I was creating the 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 skeleton of where I am today 15 years later. So while people see this transformation of my rebrand that just currently happened, it was because it was a culmination of 15 years, 15 years of me figuring shit out in my own head. And it wasn't until I got more mature, as I got more secure and confident with who I am as a person, where I can really allow my my message to be heard and and clear enough for people to understand what my message is. So um, it was it, it, it was very neat to see that happen. So at that time, I'm like, man, I don't want to go through a master's. Like, like school wasn't really like I loved school for what it was, but like I just knew I didn't want to be in school my whole life. So I'm like. Fuck it. I'm not going to do my master's. Um, and, and at the time, there was a, a, a commercial gym opening up right, right around the time that I graduated that I applied for. So I got the job at this health club, brand new, state-of-the-art, had a bunch of cool equipment. It was massive. And I was there for about three years, from 2009 to 2012. And I hated it. I hated the vibe. I hated the... I just, it, it, it didn't vibe with what I wanted, but I, I will tell you this. I met some of the best clients at that facility to the, to, and to this day, I st- I'm still very close with them. And if it wasn't for me meeting these people, I probably wouldn't be here today either. So like there's always a silver lining with what you're doing in life. And while it sucks in certain aspects, you have to find the positive because the positives can really make or break your success in your career. So I met some really great clients that are with me till this day that that really helped me change my perspectives on just life and business and all and, and even even fitness. But at the time I'm like, okay, like I'm 23 years old. I'm not getting paid that well, you know, and back then if you think I hate authority now, I hated it back then even more as a as a 23-year-old punk. And I'm like I'm like these fucking people are making more money than I am, and I have to give them six percent of my cut, and and it's what every trainer says, right? <laughs> Not knowing now where it's like, well, they're the one taking the risk, they're the one that has all this money invested into the facility. I'm just this young kid that gets to train in this beautiful facility, so I understand that perspective. But but at the time, I'm like, fuck this shit, I can do it myself, and I've always wanted to work for myself. I always wanted my own business. I, I'm not sure what got me. I'm not sure what got me to to be excited about wanting that. And I just I had I had this feeling, I had this itch, so I'm like I'm just going to move towards this this feeling and and lean into it. So I spent about a year and a half with my mentor at the time going through a full business plan. Like it was like 60 pages. I think I still have it somewhere. It's 60 pages long. It had like my SWOT analysis, it had my competitive my competition, it had, you know, like what were my points of performance and it was legit. And so it was 2012. I was 25. Well, I was 24 going on 25. 
And I'm like, all right, let's just do it. So the, the, the cool thing is that it all comes full circle and, and I'll kind of tell you um, in little bits and pieces, but I was looking at locations and I was looking at different locations and one stood out in 2012, which is the one that I'm currently standing in right now where my current facility is. And I'm like, man, this would be such a dope facility for personal training studio. But I'm like, ah, oh, man, it's, it's, it's far from town. It's far from where my clients know me. They won't drive here and it's too expensive. I just can't. So I found a smaller location about maybe like a 10 minute drive from, from that commercial gym. And I'm like, cool. Like this has the perfect price. My clients will follow me here because it's not that much of a distance. Perfect. So it was 1400 square feet. And the name of it was sweat personalized training solutions. That's a mouthful. So at the time I was doing more private personal training, one-on-one -on -one training, because that's what I grew up in. I, I grew up in the one-on-one -on -one personal training at the university. So I'm like, obviously people want personal training. So I'm just going to create a personalized training solutions program. I thought I was so proud. I'm like, this is such a cool business name. Let's go with that. So, so I started um, in 2012 with this like little like niche boutique studio. It had a very like, at the time I was going for like a very like New York boutique kind of vibe. So it had like the, the exposed brick. It had like the hardwood laminate flooring. It had a very like dim lighting. And it was actually really fun. You know, I, I, I remember, I remember starting for the very, like my first week opened. I think I had like eight clients follow me from my roster from the commercial gym. Cause some people like change. Some people don't like change. Some people support you. Some people don't. And it doesn't matter. But I had eight clients to pay my bills. I'm like, cool. But like, I wasn't busy. It was like I would train maybe three hours a day. And the rest of the time, I would sit in my studio at the gym there. And I would just like look around and, and just kind of bask in this glory of not being busy. And so I'm like... Hey, if I'm not busy, I'm still going to come in at 6 a.m. And I'm not going to leave until 7 p.m. at night. Like whether I was busy or not, I'm, I, I was going to be there. Cause I'm like, maybe somebody's going to walk in and see this. Or maybe, you know, maybe I'm just going to, out of luck, bring people in because I'm here. Like I just figured like if I'm going to open up a business, I have to be here. Because then what's the point of having a business if you're just going to be at home when you're not busy? So I would just do menial tasks. I would work out. I would create social media content or like Facebook content at the time. And I would just kind of putz around there. And then I slowly got busier. And as I got busier, this is going, so this was 2012. In 2014, I was sort of outgrowing it a little bit. And I had spoke with a business coach at the time and I actually hired him as a business coach because, um, cause I, I thought I needed help. So he's like, Hey Mike, like have you ever considered doing, you know, group training, group fitness classes. And back in 2014, or actually in 2012, I was the only independent studio that was open besides like one or two others, right? So it was, it was I, I had opened up a training studio. There was somebody who opened one up maybe about like a couple minutes away from me. And that was about it in the whole city of Windsor. In 2014, then there was like, CrossFit gyms started popping up, other independent studio and boot camps started popping up. So it was kind of like this, like within three years, it, it was like a bunch of Tim Hortons coffee shops popping up at every corner. And at the time 
in 2014 then, after a couple of years of running the, the personal training thing, my, my, the business coach at the time was saying, you know, have you considered doing group training? It's economical, your members pay less, you get paid more because of the per hour session, you can fit more people in. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So I started, so then, at the, so then my lease was up and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm gonna do group training and I've always had this idea of having a warehouse gym like Joe DeFranco did, let me find a spot that has this really cool warehouse. So in 2014, I, I went into a 5,000 square foot warehouse facility where I stayed for se about seven years. And, you know, for those of you that remember that, that warehouse gym, it was dope. It was like my dream come true. It was big. It was, it was rusty. It was just very, very rudimentary shell. It was, it was a metal shell that in the summertime became like 98 degrees hot in the wintertime. It was cold, but we had heated floors. So it kind of made it not, not, not too bad. It was bearable, but like there was, there, there was no, like it was the opposite of where I was in 2009 with the commercial gym. That, that commercial gym that I was at was very like heidi tidy, very like, you know, prim and proper. Had had like had all the bells and whistles. And then here I am in 2014 in a new 5,000 square foot warehouse that was complete opposite. It was ratty. It was old, but I made it look so dope. I had like turf. I had all my squat racks. I had banners up. It was like boom. I made it. And so I went through um, this group training model where it was, okay, like I'm going to train up to four to six people per, per group. And uh, it was working out pretty well, you know. But something was missing. You know, I, I came from this background of, you know, wanting to individualize people's programs. And I, I still value individualization with program because I think it's, it's an important tool to get towards your goals a lot quicker. But from a business standpoint, you can't always individualize because it's difficult to make money unless you're going to charge crazy amounts of money per hour. And not many people are willing to spend that, especially if you're not, if you haven't built that, that credibility or that notoriety that, that warrants you to charge that much. So, um, I, I made the group training as, as best as I could. And I remember in the beginning of it, it was, it was very difficult for me to switch from individualized to group. So then I would just individualize everybody's program in that group because in good conscience, I just couldn't, I just couldn't give somebody a squat that wasn't able to do a squat yet. So I tweaked everyone's program and we created, we created a semi-private model where everybody had their custom training program and, and then I would coach them in groups of four and that worked out pretty good. But then as business started growing, I got busier and I was the only trainer at the time. So I had to figure out, okay, how am I going to fit more people in per hour without having to sacrifice my own schedule, my own health, um, and, 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 and all that. So I ended up, you know, having groups of six people, right. And then to make it a little bit easier on myself, um, it was more like, okay, everyone's doing the same kind of program and then we'll, we'll tweak it here and there. And then to the point where it grew to having, you know, classes of six people, and I had a higher staff, I had a higher trainers. And this was like at the, at the sort of, I guess if you want to call it like from a classical business standpoint, I was thriving. I was um, completely hands off from the coaching element. I had hired three full-time employees, salaried employees, and it was running pretty smoothly. It was, you know, like I, I had the scheduling up. I, um, 
I was working on the back end business. Uh, I, I was working on what everybody told me to work on, which was, you know, work on the business, don't work in the business. And my my business coach at the time told me to read a book called, um, what was it called? I can't remember right now, but if, if I remember it, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. But it was it was it was about how when you work in the business as like the the job. So like if you're a personal trainer and you work as the trainer it's very hard to grow it unless you're working on the business. So I read the book and I'm like, yeah, like I should be hands off from the, the, from the sessions and, and work on growing the business so that I can make more money. And at that time I was like, man, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, you know, two to three locations. I want a franchise. I'm really on this business aspect. And what I didn't realize at the time and this was one of my weaknesses is if you're going to be hands off from the service that you started with and you're going to hire people to do that service, you better have the best leadership skills so that you can motivate your staff. You can train your staff correctly. You can keep them satisfied. You can keep them happy while keeping your members happy. So there's this big orchestration that has to happen behind the scenes that let's face it. I was new at, like I was learning on the spot how to, how to be an HR department. I had to learn how to, you know, be a boss and a manager. I had to learn how to be a business owner. I had to, I had to learn, I had to wear a ton of hats. And, and when you wear all these hats, you sort of sacrifice on something. And what I didn't realize is that I was slowly sacrificing the quality of the service, right? If I'm going to provide an excellent service, that it has to be top notch and I have to keep my eyes on it. Otherwise, it can really... Um, ruin a brand. It can ruin a really good vibe. And you don't see it until you look back at it and you're like, oh man, like it's almost like when if you're like, you know, like half a degree off from a measurement, it doesn't seem like a lot. But if you let that line travel for like a mile, you'll end up at a different direction. And so same thing when you're, when you don't keep your eyes on, on the service, you know, like, you know, a little minute, um, fault or a little minute change in the way someone delivers, you know, a simple thing like, hey, how to squat can lead towards, you know, that trainer wanting to do their own system and thinking that their system's better. And like, it ends up kind of like ruining the vibe and the flow of your training staff. So, you know, a couple years into that, I'm like, man, this is, this is challenging for me because it's not what I intended for, for sweat to be. And Sweat, you know, and so for those of you that I should, I should say this um, probably right now is that I owned, you know, so I went from sweat personalized training solutions to then in 2014 into the big warehouse space as sweat fitness and performance. So I went through a rebrand. I, I rebranded my logo. Uh, I changed my name to sweat fitness and performance because I wanted to match the vibe of the facility. We were fitness and performance. So it made sense. But then when I had all the staff, they were going in different directions and I came to a point where I'm like, this isn't what I intended this to be. It, it, you know, while from the outside it was successful, it was perfectly fine. Clients were getting great results. For some reason, in my heart, I'm like, this isn't what I fucking want. And, and I sort of took ownership of that. Like, I was like, okay, if this is not what I want, I need to change quickly. So, and this is me being very transparent with, with everything that, that, that's transpired in the last 10 years of my career. 
um, I was, I was about to fire one of my full-time staff trainers and the day before my, my other trainer quit on me. I'm like, what the fuck? So I had one trainer who I was going to rely on to cover all the sessions quit. I had to fire another trainer, but then I'm like, fuck, if I fire this trainer, that means that like, I'm going to have to step in and fill their shoes. So my business coach at the time was like, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I already made my decision to fire this one guy. I'm just going to do it. So fired my one trainer, my other trainer quit on me. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do it. I, 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 next morning I woke up, went to work at 5am and I trained all the classes till 8pm at night. And from that point on, this is going back in 2017, 2018. Since then, I'm like, fuck it. I'm in control of my business. I'm going to do it myself because it seems like nobody can do it. And, and looking back, like it was my fault for not understanding what I needed to do as a leader, as a manager, and as a new business owner. Like, I, you know, like just because I had a business doesn't mean that I had a business degree. Doesn't mean that I, I was a good at, at business leadership. It was sort of learning on the spot. And we were growing so rapidly. We were growing so fast that I almost couldn't have the ability to learn because I had to make decisions on the spot. And so, you know, we were making money coming in, but then the money had to go right out because I had to pay payroll. I had to pay taxes. And I'm just like, what's the point of running this business when, yeah, we're making all this money, but then I have to dish it out. So it just became a very stressful situation for me where I'm like, this isn't what I want. I thought I wanted, I thought I wanted the mega location with the two to three locations that were franchised. But I'm like, this is a lot of fucking stress and work. And where's the fulfillment in this? Like, I don't have any fulfillment in this. And if I'm going to do something, I need to put my fulfillment and happiness first because that's how I do good work. I, I, I don't get motivated by money. I'm motivated by doing good work. And so I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this myself. I, so I took over the training. And then in 2019, early of 2019, my lease was up in that warehouse. And that was the time where like I've sort of – it's almost like – you know when you buy something that you really wanted, like you, like you dreamt about it, you really want it, and then you get it, you're like, oh, that wasn't really like what I thought it was going to be? That's what it was. Like I, I scratched my itch to have this mega location because I'm like, hey, if Joe DeFranco has it, I want it too. That was my mentality back then. And, and so I had it. I'm like, cool, it was great for what it was, but it's not really fulfilling me like I thought it was going to. So I'm like, okay, like, I'm like, then, then maybe this isn't it. So in 2019, my lease was up. I was ready to renegotiate a lease with my landlord. Um, and it just became too expensive. I'm like, I go, it's not worth the, he almost wanted to double my rent. I'm like, I'm not going to pay double for the same location that's ratty and old and rusty. So I went to go look around and, um, and, and find some other spots. So it took about a few months looking at spots. And I came back to the same location that I saw in 2012 for the first time, which was this location right here. The, the location that you see now with the skulls, with the graffiti, that was the one that kind of spoke to me. I'm, I'm like, man, I go, here I am. At that time, it was what? Eight years into the business. I'm like eight years later, I'm looking at the same spot. It's still available. 
I go, I've built up a name for myself where clients are going to drive to me no matter what, no matter where my location's at. I go, the price is outstanding because now that we're a successful business, I had the means and the financial means to, to, to pay for. I'm like, cool. I'm like, everything sort of hit hit home. I'm like, this is, this is going to be our next home for sweat, fitness, and performance. This was the toughest thing I've ever done in business, I think, or it was one of my top three things that were very difficult because I had to take a brand that I created in one part of the city and people get emotionally attached to certain things, especially if you, if you look into what, what fitness does for a lot of people is or most people start with fitness because they are looking to transform their life in some capacity, whether it's to lose weight, look a different way, or what I really think what happens is that people are looking for that longing. They're, they're, they're looking for something greater than themselves so that they can feel a part of. When, when somebody joins a community like Sweat was, where it was inclusive, it it's where people started how to, it's where people learned how to move well and, and, and learn about movement and fell in love with movement. They get emotionally attached to that specific thing and that location and what it meant. And so we had a lot of members very upset and frustrated with me for making such a rash decision um, to sort of change the vibe of the community and move it to a different location. And if and if for, for those of you that run gyms right now and 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 know how sacred a community is, any fluctuations in a community, any change can really impact the vibe of that community. And, and I knew that going in, but it but moving here into a new location and trying to replicate the same vibe into a new spot was difficult because environments different, people don't feel as safe as they did when they started with you. So we went through a lot of turnover. And I think that was necessary for me to understand what I really wanted, right? And so it's kind of weird that I I, I run my business on, on what I need in my life because it's an extension of me. And so as I grow, as I um, adopt new beliefs, as I, you know, um, dispel old beliefs that I had as I grow in my own journey as a human first, as I grow into a business owner, as a personal trainer, as just a guy named Mike, as I grow into who I really am after 10 years in business, after 15 years of figuring my shit out through personal training, I'm going to have to put some casualties in that because I'm just trying to be my best self. I'm trying to put my best version of myself forward. And one thing that I really try to have my my clients and members and, and following understand is that if you're going to put your best version of yourself forward every single time, you're going to upset some people. You're going to cause some chaos in their world because they're not at your pace. And so I had to make a really big decision to say, okay, like this, the, the big 5,000 square foot location I scratched that itch. It just wasn't for me anymore. I grew out of it. I'm like, I need something different. And so I tried to replicate sweat, fitness, and performance in this current location. And, and there was something off about it. I'm not sure if my members could understand. 
but for me myself, it just didn't feel right. And this is where the transformation of the rebrand came to be. Without even realizing it that, you know, when I moved in here in 2019, it was about it was about a year before the pandemic hit. And and we were like we were vibing really good, but you know, I had set targets to to reach a certain amount of revenues and and members um up to a certain point. And I remember March of twenty March of twenty twenty. Right, right when the pandemic hit, the targets that I had set and, and, and put forth as a goal, I was about to hit in March of 2020. I'm like, okay, this is the month that we're finally going to hit the targets. We're going to hit targets better than my old location. And then boom, gym shuts down. Motherfucker. You know, and at that point, I'm like, well, that blows. And like obviously back then in March of 2020, the this COVID shit was was brand new, so nobody knew what it was. People didn't know if like you were gonna die. People didn't know if you were gonna fall, you know, on on the asphalt in the parking lot. Like it was just it was it was it was something new for us, right? So we shut down for I think it was about four months, maybe even longer. And in that shutdown, I found peace because prior to to, to to the shutdown, I was working 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. every fucking damn day. Um, Saturday, yeah, Saturdays I had off. You know, I, I worked only a couple hours in the morning. Sundays I had off. But when you're working 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday to Friday, and then Saturday you still have to be on here in the morning. Yeah, you have Sunday to re- re- recover. But sooner or later, when you're not sleeping well, when you're not taking care of your health, you're gonna burn out. And I didn't realize I was burning out until we shut down. And at that point, I got I got nine hours of sleep. I was able to talk to myself through my mind. Like I, I had I had time to just hang out with myself, and it was such a pivotal moment to understand what I really wanted in my life. I didn't want the busy, right? Like I didn't want the busy of the busyness, right? Business, right? If you, if you if you look at the root word of business, it's busyness. Like I didn't want the busyness of owning the business. I wanted my business to flourish and grow um, whether I was exhausted or not. And so I wanted to put things in place that, that helped me grow into a new chapter of my career. So when, 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 when the pandemic hit, I tried making sweat fitness performance still a thing i tried making it thrive and i tried making it what i wanted it to be but there was this thing deep down inside of me and i think this thing deep down inside of me was was in me even when i first started in 2012 i always had this vision in my mind of what i wanted to create for my members my clients and myself specifically myself and i just couldn't find it through sweat sweat was born from a young kid at the age of 23 who just thought it was cool to open up a gym. I wanted to be that guy that was like, I'm so cool that I have a gym. I'll show them how to how to run a gym. I'll show those people how cool I am. Like I it, it was it was in spite of everyone else. I'm like, fuck everyone, I'll do it myself. That that was my attitude going into my first year in business. So the pandemic hit, and this is like about what eight, nine years after me being a young punk kid. I'm like, I'm not that guy anymore. Like, I'm not, 
like I'm not the 23 year old who opened up sweat. Sweat had no meaning for me anymore. But what I did know about was that like I wanted to inspire people to have more meaning in their life and to continuously improve upon themselves so they can live life to the fullest. I didn't know how to articulate that. I had it up in my in my mind. I'm a very, very creative person. I understand what people need to be to feel inspired. And fitness is one of those things that you're not buying something tangible. You're not buying something that you can wear out to dinner. You can't drive it. You can't, you know, like you can't really listen to it. It's this intangible feeling that you get inside your gut that when you feel it, you're like, holy fuck, I don't know what this is, but I got to continue doing this because it's making me feel really, really good. I, 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 I feel like it's like the, the only comparison I have to this is like when you hear one of your favorite songs that just hits deep in the feels and you're like, I'm not sure what's happening to my nervous system right now, but like I'm just vibing at this different vibration and it feels really good. That's that's what I'm trying to convey through my social media. It's what I'm trying to convey through this podcast. I want to I want you to feel the intangibles. And and in, it seems like in life right now we're very focused on the tangibles. I got this amount of money, I got this car, I buy these shoes, I have these shirts, I have this 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 and this. But nobody really wants to talk about the intangibles. It's the intangibles that makes that make life worth living. I know that sounds really cheesy, but it's those f- good moments, it's those feelings, it's that it's those good vibrations, those frequencies that you can become whole and happy and 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 like you I, I can't even describe it. You know, I'm sure you as the listener, you as the viewer, you know what I'm talking about. It's just those good feels inside your gut. And your gut is never wrong. So I'm like how do I take this vision? How do I take what's in my head and bring it out to life? And one thing that I have a very hard time with till this day, I still have a hard time with it is I see it all in my head. But then when I get it out on paper, I'm like, that's fucking boring. That's not what I wanted out of it. And fitness was always this like, I've always seen fitness and, and whether it's through my competitors or if it's just through like the social media or like even the men's health magazines, fitness is very like, gain muscle burn fat blah blah it's like nobody gives a fuck about burning fat and gaining muscle yeah like that's that's part of fitness and yeah people like to have a six pack but most people don't give a fuck about six packs they want intangible feelings that they're thinking that a six pack will give them people think that hey if i lose 10 pounds i'm gonna feel a certain way well guess what we've all been there we've all gained muscle we've all burned fat we've all gotten results but why are you still unhappy why are you still why are you so the miserable person that you are? Because you're not you're not allowing yourself to explore and figure out what it is that makes you tick and makes you vibe. So I'm like, okay, how do I create how do I create this for my followers, for my brand? So I'm like, all right, we I, I tried reopening after COVID hit, right? The restrictions were lifted somewhat, even though we're still restricted. We were able to open up again. And so I did outdoor classes and I did inside classes, but I, but it's almost like when you had this epiphany, when you felt something, you're like, I don't want to go back to what it was pre COVID because I didn't like it. So I was sort of fighting with myself. It's like, I don't like, I don't want to have to go back to working 5am to 8pm every day. Like I've done my, I've done this for 
15 years of 5 a.m.s. I go like, there's got to be a different way. I don't want to go back to that. So I tried, I tried creating this sweat thing again um, after the pandemic, and it I, I just wasn't having it. I'm like, this is fucking, this blows. This is not what I want. So I made a decision to to allow um, our community to sort of dismantle a little bit, right? Like, it, you know, like with every restriction, with every lockdown that we went through, and I think gyms, if not maybe restaurants, or the, I think gyms were the biggest hit. Like restaurants too, but they were at least able to do takeout. Like I didn't want to fucking do Zoom classes for my members. Like they hated it. I hated it. It was this awkward like, I can't see what you're doing at home because you're hiding behind your dog and your couch is there. And like, I know you're not squatting well, but I'm just going to go through the motions. Like, that's not what I wanted out of this. So with every lockdown that we had, we had members either put their memberships on hold, they canceled. And so like, I just saw my community go from, from like amazing to like, eh, it's, it's, it's down in the dumps. And like, we lost... Listen, I'm here to be transparent because that's what what I believe in. We lost nearly 90% of our revenues. And when you lose 90% of your revenues as a company, you also lose your salary. I lost my salary in in a nutshell, right? So I'm like I'm like, well, this is a perfect time for me to go through another journey that I truly want. If I'm going to if I'm going to continue this business, I'm going to lead through happiness. I'm going to lead through my fulfillment. I'm going to lead through what the fuck I want to do. I'm not going to I'm not going to do this because so and so is doing this. I'm not going to do it because they want me to do it. I'm doing this because I want to do it and that is it. So I'm like if I'm going to do this big time, I'm going to go through a full rebrand. And I made a decision really quick. I'm like again, like when I get my mindset to something, I can't stop thinking about it and I just go and do it. So, um, and this is like this past year, like like eight months ago, I decided this and, um, it was, I think I spent about, you know, about three, four weeks interviewing, uh, brand agencies. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do it myself. Like, yes, I love being creative. Yes. I love doing graphic design, but like, I'm not an expert in brand identity. And if I can't get my own vision out on paper, then maybe I need somebody else to help me talk it out. So I interviewed a bunch of uh, brand agencies and my only thing that I wanted out of those interviews was do I feel those intangibles that you can't explain? Do I get good vibes? Do I get good feelings in my gut? Does my nervous system tell me do this? If it was a no, I'm like, sorry, I don't care how good your portfolio or how good your resume is. No, like I'm not working with you. So I landed on um, a agency from Toronto called Brennan Design. And this dude, he just, he, he understood me. We vibed well. We had the same outlook on life and, and he hit it out of the park. So we spent six months on brand identity, brand um, um, strategies, um, we surveyed uh, my demographic of people that I wanted to to hit. Like, like we spent six months prior to figuring out the logo and the and the tone of uh, of the brand and all that stuff. Like that was like the easy part. The hard part was getting my stupid brain, and I say that kind of lovingly, 
how to get my brain, my creative brain to say words to, to my brand agency so they can understand what I'm about. Because if I'm going to make my brand um, successful, I have to lead it from the front. You're going to have to see me be excited about my own brand. If I'm not willing to talk about my brand, then why would you want to follow me if I, if I don't even love it, right? So I'm like, if I'm going to do this, it's got to be an extension of me. Otherwise, I'm not going to like it. So we spent six months on figuring shit out. We made our, our key demographic people. We, you know, like we surveyed our, our, our people. And at the time, I wasn't even thinking of a name change. I'm like, I want to keep sweat because, you know, as as we create these these identities, right? Because I'm Mike Patella, the owner of Sweat. You become this identity that people sort of impose on you, but then you also kind of maintain that because people know you as the Sweat guy. I had all the intentions of maintaining the name Sweat. But when I was going through this rebrand and we were going through our meetings, I wanted to switch to more of a global brand. And I know that sounds like an astronomical um, feat to achieve, especially with the saturation of fitness that's happening on the social medias. I wanted to impact, if, if I'm going to impact people, I want to impact on a large scale. So I'll like my mind goes, I want to be the global recognizable brand that's fitness and lifestyle because I have something very, very, very unique to share. My message is very unique and nobody does it the way I do it. Others do it the way they do it. Cool. And like I respect a lot of people in this industry. There's a lot of great people locally that, that do a great uh, job. There's people around the world that do a great job. But I'm like, nobody does it like your boy, Mike Patella. So I'm like, I'm like I, I want this to be a lifestyle fitness brand that nobody has ever seen before. So when I was talking with my marketing and, and brand guy, they're like, you know, Mike, we, we, we've been thinking behind the scenes. And are you opposed to a name change? And like without hesitation, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Because again, if it's not a fuck yes, then don't do it. So I'm like, and so I'm like, hell yeah. Like I, I didn't have to think about it. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm like, I have no idea what I would want to even call my, my, my new company. I go, I need some help. So they're like, don't worry, Mike, you're paying us for a reason. Like we're going to come back with you with three proposals. <clears throat> so about maybe a week and a half later, we hop on another meeting and they propose um, the three names, and this is me like being. I'm like, I'm like, this is finally where, where, where I get excited. I love the naming of products. I love the logo design. I love, I love the the visual design of brands, right? So this is where like I'm, I'm really happy. I spent six months going through all the the, the nuts and bolts and all the intricacies of figuring out what the brand stands for, which was, hey, like if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this right. Let's not worry about the logo just yet, even though I was fucking excited for it. I'm like, let's just think about the meat and potatoes, the nuts and bolts of, of what this brand um, is about and what, what the message is. And then we'll worry about the fun stuff later. So when it came time to do the, the fun stuff, they're like, hey, we have three names for you. I'm like, oh man, these fucking three names are amazing. And I'm gonna share them with you. The first one they proposed was Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, Council, almost like a government kind of political council. And I'm like, that kind of has a good ring to it. I'm like, Council, you know, like, then we were figuring out, like, you know, like domain names, council.co or like wethecouncil.com, and it was very rebellious in nature. But I'm like, ah, it sounds too political. I go, I hate politics. I hate governments. I go, like, I want to be as far away from them as possible. 
The other one was fifth, like number five, but like fifth, um, F-I-T-H-F, fifth. Did I spell that right? Probably not because I'm, I'm bad at spelling. Like Saks Fifth Avenue, fifth. You get it, right? Fifth. I'm saying fifth a lot. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, fifth sounds kind of cool, but like, you know, like fifth.com, it, it just, it, it doesn't have, like, it sounds too much like a fashion brand. And the reason why they chose fifth, because I guess if I, if I have this correct, um, the, the, the fifth infantry or the, or the fifth group in, 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 uh, in like war description, I'm getting this totally wrong, but like the fifth commandment or whatever, like whatever it is that, that war talk is the, the, the fifth whatever battalion whatever it is i don't know I'm, I'm i'm messing this up completely i guess that is the battalion that goes against the grain so they thought you know like if you're going to be a rebellious um brand by nature and like the fifth would be a cool name I'm like yeah I'm a, it sounds too much like like fashion to me so then the third name came out and i'm like holy fuck this is the dopest name ever like stylistically the way it was written, um, it just sounded really good, and it was common, spelled C-O-M-M-X-N. And I'm like, it, it pro- like the, the, they go to me, Mike, spend like a week with it. Don't make a decision just yet. We'll get another meeting next week, and we'll talk about it. You know, so I'm like, fair enough. You know, I'll, I'll give it some time. But like, I knew in my mind, like, common is the name. I'm like, here it is. Like, I just, I know it's there, right? And so we hop on the meeting. I'm like, first first few minutes, I'm like, guys, I have the name. It's Common. <clears throat> Let's do that. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, chose Common. And the reason why we chose Common was this. So, like, when we did our brand identity and messaging and, and what the tone and the message of the, of the brand was, we uncovered that we prepare humans for life's most meaningful pursuits from day one from the shitty programs that I did when I was a novice trainer at the University of Windsor in the forge at the athletic department gym. I didn't know it then. I didn't know it yet. But all I gave a fuck was about the human. I wanted them to explore themselves so they can have a meaningful pursuit in life. I didn't have those words. I didn't have that eloquent way of saying it. But in my mind, the vision that I had was having people live their life their life to the fullest. I wanted them to be, I wanted everybody that I worked with to have this intangible feeling that they couldn't get anywhere else. And that was the vision and the message that I, that I just couldn't do myself. And I, I, and the only way I did it was through showing, through doing. And so every member that came to sweat came not because of the way I squat or the way I teach how to push up, even though I'm fucking really good at it and I'm one of the best in the city on how to train, it wasn't because of that. It was because I made people feel like they were fucking rock stars. And not because I had to, not because that's just what you do in business, you make people feel good, it's because I genuinely wanted to make people feel like a rock star. You know why? Number one, because I want to feel like a rock star. So why wouldn't anybody else want to feel like a rock star? And second is that I realized quickly early on that most people don't don't get the validation they deserve and need and want and long for. People have these different roles in their life. They have a role of being in their career. They have this identity of being a dad or a mom. They have an identity of being 
a certain business person or like whatever, like whatever identity or whatever hat they put on, that's who they have to be. And there's something underneath all of that that just doesn't make them vibe or happy. Yeah, they're happy superficially, but they're not fulfilled. And I've always wanted people to feel fulfilled, even if it was just an hour with me a week or two hours a, a, a week with me. I wanted people to feel like rock stars. So people came to me because of that. And so I figured it doesn't matter what name I have, if it's sweat, if it's common, it's like my whole mission is to prepare people for life's most meaningful pursuits. And the way I do that is by using fitness as the conduit to get them to understand who they are as a human, not as a teacher, not as a lawyer, not as a friend, not as themselves, as a human. And even before I went through this name change, this rebrand, I'm sure you saw uh, the cool graffiti in my, in my gym here with the skulls. The reason why I love skulls so much is because at the root of it all, when you strip away your skin, when you strip away your hats that you wear, when you strip away the identity that you, that you place on yourself, when you strip away everything that you sort of layer on top every year that you live, right? Like somebody wants you to be something, you, you, you'll wear that layer, uh, you know, like you end up doing something, you, you put that layer on, the car you drive, that's another status that you put over yourself. When, when we're all dead, and I know this is kind of like a little morbid, but like, but when we all die, we only have a skeleton, we only have a skull left. And that skull is identical. Yeah, it's different shapes, sizes, whatever, but, but it looks the same. And so skulls to me represent that we are all the same, but our soul is different. And our soul is what we need to have shined more of because it's within that element that thing, that soul, whatever it is that we have is what makes us unique. So I'm like, I go, I have to run with this because this is something that, that is so deep embedded within who I am as my passions that I'm like, I, I'm just going to chase this feeling. And so the, the name common was just the perfect thing for this because, you know, stylistically from like a visual person that I am, it just looked really dope. Like, C-O-M-M-X. And I'm like, this is fucking sweet. But then it also had some meaning to it. So like if you look at the way it's spelt with the X, the X represents your meaningful pursuit. We all have a different meaningful pursuit in our lives. Yours could be to be the best parent you could be. You know, um, mine is to be the best human and to inspire humans to fucking do dope shit. Um, like we all have this strong meaning that ties us all together our pursuit of our best life, if you want to sort of keep it in simpler terms. That's what makes us common. But we've spelt it in an uncommon way because we're uncommon. We're not the same as everybody else. And so, like, this, this word common, this brand common, was cultivated not from six months of me working with my brand agency, even though they're the ones that, that brought it out of me. It happened as a result of me from the beginning of my career without even knowing it. And I'm even going to go as far back as me observing people as a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old up until even now. And without, like, it shaped my ways and my thoughts of understanding what people really wanted. When you can shut up and listen and just observe your surroundings, 
you'll see some amazing shit happen that you're like, hmm, that's interesting. Why does that happen? That person said that while that person laughed at him. That's funny. Like, why did that? So, like, all these thoughts, and if anybody knows me really deep down inside, I'm an over, like, I think a lot. I, I, I never sit down and just pretend like I'm not thinking. My mind's always going. If I'm watching a movie, I'm thinking about the universe. If I'm watching something on Netflix, I'm thinking about something about the brand. So, like, I think I, I, I got my critical thinking skills and, and just, like, thinking a lot just by observing and by listening and looking at the nonverbals in a room. So, like, early on, I knew that this was something that I had to chase, but... I think you have to go through life to understand what it is that that you're called for. Like, I don't think the 23-year-old Mike Patella that opened up or, or that was about to open up a gym in 2012 understood the impact I would have. I didn't know that that, that was even possible. I was just chasing a feeling that I even that I didn't even know I had a feeling. It, it was just like it was like I was drawn to this to this big thing that was sort of uh, pulling me towards it without even realizing it. And now as a 35-year-old, being secure with who I am, I'm confident with, with, with what I know and who I am and, and what I want this world to be now, I can now say, hmm, that was an interesting sort of journey to get to this point right here. And so for somebody who perhaps was a member or is still a member um, or saw me from the outside as the sweat fitness and performance dude who owned a gym, blah, 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 and now sees, like, why the fuck did he rebrand to Common? That's pretty stupid. Like, what's Common? But, well, it's because you only saw the superficial Mike. You only saw a glimpse of, of my career. But really, like, it was just a culmination of where I needed to go. And instead of having to fight change and 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 be uncomfortable by it. I was like, I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to lean into this so hard that nothing but positive shit's going to come out of it. And it's written on my floors here in graffiti. It's it's in the intro of my podcast. Do dope shit. I'm here to inspire you to live life to the fullest and I'm going to do my fucking best to get that out in in this in it by voice by by video by by my socials by whatever I can do my goal is to get you to live life to the fullest because as we've seen life can get pretty shitty really fast and we can be gone tomorrow so like this is this is probably a good time for me to end this because I'm gonna start crying because I'm, I'm so fucking passionate fired up about this but like you only have this one life it's time to rebel against yourself. Rebel against yourself. Remember that. The reason why we're rebels here at Common, the reason why we say only rebels, is because unless you decide to rebel against yourself, you're never going to live the life that you fucking want. And when I say rebel against yourself, I mean rebel against the person that is that seeks comfort that seeks validation through external means and through others, the person that is complacent, the person who is lazy, who doesn't want to do the work, rebel against that person. And I say this boldly. If you rebel against yourself for just one year, 
this time next year, you're going to be a totally different human and for the better. That's all I got, folks. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, I had a fun time reminiscing about where where I came from. Um, I have so much more work to do, so much more work that I just can't find the time to do it. I'm so excited. And um, if you want to follow along with more, you can catch me on Instagram, common underscore original, C-O-M-M-X-N underscore original where you can find me. And that's where I post all of my cool stuff. <clears throat> I'm, I'm known as the aesthetics graphic guy. Um, but, but the whole goal for that is to inspire you to think of fitness differently and to think about your life a little bit differently. So um, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. It was, it was very nice to come back on, on, on the cast and, and just kind of talk about shit. So yeah, anyways, much love, keep raging, and I'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace.